You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe. Great to be chatting with you again this, uh, this afternoon. How are you? Yeah, I am well, thank you. I'm very well. Uh, for everyone who wasn't just on the <laughs> the podcast stream with me, Richard just said for reals. I don't think I've ever heard you say for reals before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, when I really mean it. When we're we're starting for reals, that was time to <laughs> was an appropriate word to use. Do you not? Don't, you don't uh, ever say that. Oh, uh, not commonly. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. I I recommend introducing that into your uh, yeah into your regular language. <laughs> It's very persuasive. (laughs) Uh, What's been happening? Well, we have been, uh, Jen and I went off to the Maitland Regional Art Gallery on Saturday because, um, yeah, cricket's over, so we had some freedom to to go out and check it out. Um, Andy got to come along as well. So (laughs) if you don't know Newcastle, Maitland is a town about uh, 30 minutes out um, up inland Mm. a little bit. Mm. Um, yep, an older town, interesting cultural stuff, and um, there is a great little art gallery there. And uh, so that was really cool. We saw a um, probably a highlight for me was Aboriginal art. I, I really quite like Aboriginal art. And yeah. uh, there's a lady there called um, Nogira Marawili. It's a bit strange. Oh. There's a, an, a a letter that I'm not familiar with in the um, her, in it. it's how so it's probably Nonganiri. I was, I I don't know the language oh, that well, but okay, um, yeah. You know, I think she yeah she lives kind of in the uh, in Arnhem Land area, and Ooh. just doing this this great great um yeah dots lines. But um, I'm not an expert in Aboriginal art, but um, I actually I really like it. And it's a sort of art I can look at for a long time and notice things. Mm, and uh, mm. um, it was cool. Yeah. I, was was it one big like one huge canvas or is it more the kind of thing you could have on your wall? Uh oh, you could have it on your wall, but oh, yeah, okay. so multiple um I think it was canvas mostly, but yeah. yeah, interesting natural pigments, also some use of recycled printer toner uh in some of the pigments there, which I thought that was a good idea using this well. That's creative. Um, and uh, I'm curious to know, though, Joe, as I was, uh, what what is your approach to visiting art galleries? Assuming Ooh. you do, like, okay, is this well, something you like doing? Or yes, you, you... I do enjoy going to art galleries. The first key thing is wearing comfortable shoes, <laughs> um, because art galleries have notoriously hard floors, <laughs> so, <laughs> and you don't want to be thinking, "Man, I want to sit down," when you actually don't want to sit down. A good tip. Um, yep. Yeah. I love to go back to exhibitions each year. So the Archibald Prize, I'll try to go most really? years. Really? You're a regular? Yeah. yeah. And it also has, when it's on in Sydney, the Wynn Prize and the Sulman mm. Prize, mm. Um, which I always enjoy, the three of them. Uh, I think another one is if you don't understand it, it's okay to be like, I don't understand it and just <laughs> walk by. <laughs> yeah, yep, I agree. It doesn't doesn't have to be deep meaning in every piece of art for you yep. <laughs> is how I've accepted modern art. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. And then there's one piece of art which I took a note of years ago because I absolutely loved it in the art gallery in, in Adelaide that I saw it in. Mm. And I've never regret taking it, regretted taking a note of it and going and looking it online again. Mm. Um, so maybe if you really, really particularly like a piece of art that you know is going to be famous, 
take a note of it and so you can go and have a look at it again online. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty That'd close to I'd my say. approach. What do you reckon? So, yeah, I, I, I go and I if I, I like looking at something, I'll stand there and keep looking yeah. at it. If I'm like, ah, it's not doing much for me, <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty happy to move straight on. So, um, and, uh, <laughs> yep, uh, Jen and I have worked it out that there's no obligation to stand next to each other in an art gallery, which is good. We've worked out, <laughs> a, like, we'll walk in um, and we'll just go our own way most of the time. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. There's, there's not this sort of awkward... I'm bored, but she still be looking. We need to stand next to each other. Yeah. We, <laughs> we just go, go our own ways. It works well. And then, and then, you know, most art galleries have a fairly good cafe inside. And so <laughs> yes. I'm not opposed to the post cafe, a post gallery cafe. Um, generally plan that into a visit. So there is always more people in the cafe than actually looking at the art in any, <laughs> any art gallery you go to. That's my So opinion. true. So true. Well, that sounds like a really nice weekend. How oh, did Andy find it? Oh, yeah, he tolerated it. So, um, oh, good man. He, he, he put on a good show. <laughs> How about you, Joe? What have you been up to? Well, I've discovered something that I don't think I should continue watching, but I find really ridiculously engaging. Oh, we love these sort of things <laughs> on this podcast. So, you know how YouTube, when you you land on the YouTube homepage, youtube.com.au? Mm. There are vi- there are video suggestions. Yeah, I don't know what I must have been looking at looking at, but it had a video <laughs> suggestion for a rug being cleaned, as in like a floor rug. Wow! <laughs> and it had black sludge being removed. Wow! You know, dirtiest rug ever in full caps, and I thought fascinating. So, <laughs> how did the, the algorithms somehow knew that um, you were uh, interested in rug cleaning videos? It's very clever. <laughs> And this, this video had, I kid you not, more than a million views. Like this was a popular video. So yeah. I thought, well, look, it's got to be good. So I get welcomed by this lovely um, American man who tells me he's going to clean a rug and then he proceeds to clean the rug with a series of processes, which I now know because I've now watched <laughs> a series of rug cleaning videos. Wow. So there's the sham- There's the first, pr- you know, you've got to make sure you've got it vacuumed and de-dusted and everything as much as you can um they don't ever show that because that's not the fun part the fun part is they put the shampoo on then they use the mechanical brush thing then they do a high pressure hose a squeegee process <laughs> really? and then they put special fringe cream on the fringes and high pressure wash wash the fringes and i tell you there's dirt going out of this rug and he's commenting he's saying you know whoa this is a really dirty rug and i'm sitting there going <laughs> I'm becoming dumber as I watch this. I don't know why I'm watching it, but I'm really, really enjoying it. <laughs> and I have oh, watched man. several rug cleaning videos in the last 24 hours, and I yeah. don't know why. YouTube is just going to flood you with with rug cleaning channels. Oh, like, we've got I, this lady pigeonholed. Let's send yeah, her the send her the right. rug cleaning videos. That's right. But <laughs> I have to. T- I mean, it's worth one watch because it's just interesting to watch how, like, a rug that's never been cleared for, cleaned for 34 years, how much dirt can possibly come out of that yeah. thing and the, yeah, the before yeah. and after. The trouble is most of the rugs start looking brown and finish looking brown, and it's <laughs> yeah. made me realise that lots of rugs are just brown, which is not just, one of my favourite colours. No. But anyway. That sounds like fun. I suspect perhaps a third to half of our listeners will close this <laughs> down and watch a rug cleaning video. But uh, enjoy well, they um, also have a centrifuge in there. They've got like tech. Oh, so. no. oh, wow. It just keeps going on and on. I can see why you would get hooked. <laughs> anyway, we should talk about the Bible. It's better. The Bible. <laughs> you are reading chronologically through the Bible. I um, am. <clears throat> tell us I'm about f- how you Well, going. I'm a few days behind, but I've just 
I've just entered into the promised land with Joshua, which I'm excited about. Um, But I want to go back to Joshua chapter one because something in there strikes me as outrageous and Mm. I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, great. So Joshua chapter one, basically um, Moses has died, died. Joshua has, you know, been sent to be the, he's now the leader. And then right at the end of chapter one of of Joshua, this is what um, the people, the officers of the people of Israel say to Joshua Mm -hmm. from verse 16. They answered Joshua, everything you have commanded us, we will do, and everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. Now, be strong and courageous, classic Joshua phrase, love it, love it, love it. Command to obey the Lord, love it. Totally agree. But the phrase where they say, and we will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything, <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> mm. I don't remember them obeying Moses in everything. So then I typed into my Bible gateway, obeyed and rebelled, because I thought, you know, they're the two words that are often used. And I actually can't find a specific example from that quick search, but I just have this gut instinct that the people of Israel didn't always obey Moses. So like when Moses goes up the mountain, they build a golden calf. Mm. They're definitely rejecting God by doing that. He commands them to not – he gives them some commands. I I just am feeling vague and I haven't done the work on it on this question, but I've just got this gut instinct that the people haven't obeyed Moses all the way. Yeah, yeah. What examples um, can you think of? Well, I think I've got two ideas for this one. See what you think. Yeah. Um, so option A, there could be a, a little element of a um, uh, little, little bit of bias in their perception of their history. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's like a bit of a grandiose statement. Like, we're going to obey everything yeah. that you command us to because you're a great new leader. You know, most, um, yeah, most people rate themselves as above average drivers, for example. <laughs> <laughs> really, that shouldn't be the case. Are you saying, um, Richard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there could be a little bit of bias there. Mm. Um, the other thought is that um, in the story of Numbers um, is kind of about the sinful um, Sinai generation being killed off and dying, mm. being replaced by people who were born in the pretty much born in the wilderness, in the yeah, um, who sort of. Yeah, survived all that death, and so um, were have, have proved themselves to be a little more inclined to obedience. This this particular right. generation that has been shaped by um, shaped by that wilderness yeah, experience. Yeah, the being provided for by God, the led by God in the tabernacle yeah. practices and such. Regularly mm. seeing people killed by snakes or. <laughs> <laughs> or swallowed too, up, or, too. or, uh, uh, or um, impaled by um, things. So um, yeah. regular reminders towards obedience. So it's possible that they're speaking for, a, yeah, in a kind of um, survival of the obedient kind of vibe here. That hmm. yeah, we our inclination has been obedience. Because um, mm, mm. my thought was maybe like because there are phrases about not having o- o- disobeyed your God. And I thought, 
maybe they do perceive themselves to have obeyed Moses, but if Moses has gone astray, they've gone astray with Moses. So they have not actually disobeyed Moses, but as you know, there's this narrative of Moses also goes astray, and yeah. so it fits there. But um, I do like what you're saying. Your explanations. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, no, that's that's good. As you read it through, Joshua, you might see. Yeah, I might uh, pick it up. Yeah, we pick up stuff about Thing. one generation dying and then another generation uh, coming, up. coming up that's mm. back into traditional rebellious mm. kind of stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, I love Joshua. I love the, uh, the uh, death for disobedience kind of thing. It's a very. <laughs> military vibe there at the start of the chapter oh it's pretty hectic you read it yeah. and you're like, whoa okay yeah we would never say that in our normal discussions wouldn't be part of the regular vision setting uh no. <laughs> start of the year church conference no. <laughs> maybe it should be reintroduced but uh no <laughs> it's good so good. <laughs> anyway, what have you been um, reading? Oh, uh, well, I've read a great little book, and by that little I mean very little book, um, called Anxiety and Me, Ooh. Brief Biblical Thoughts to Help Anxious Believers uh, uh, by an author called Ooh. Guan Yu, who's an Australian guy. I, I don't particularly know Guan, um, but he's, I think, in, in Sydney. Um, and uh, he's just written a lovely little book um, for people feeling anxious. And I... I don't think I have a clinical anxiety disorder, but I, I do get anxious at times. Um, and I was mm. just really interested to see what uh, he said. And um, so uh, it's basically, um, like he says, some thoughts about anxiety. Uh, he starts in, with a very engaging introduction. Um, he, he shares about his own struggles. And mm. uh, I think in a way that really draws, that would draw the reader in. So like he's coming from he, this is someone who knows what he's talking about so he says mm-hmm. um, he he says there've been times in my life um he gives a few examples but he's times in my life when i've looked at the inside of my front door and known it was going to be too difficult to make it out the other side mm. um, and that, that's just quite a that was a great image and mm. um yeah it makes me think of uh, times or my friends who who've had times mm. when that yeah even leaving the house has been really hard Mm. Um, and so he, his approach is is not a, like a his a, a to z of anxiety, but he, what he does is kind of reflect on Psalm 131, which um, uh, is mm. short enough that I could just read here. Um, it's only three verses. Uh, it says, "O Lord, my heart is not lifted up; my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother." Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Uh, that's mm. all it is. There's just like three verses, Psalm 131. Mm. And um, what he's done is just kind of reflect on each of those verses. One verse gets a chapter of a few pages long and um, shares about how the truths in this verse helps us. Mm. In anxiety, mm. that's that's what it is. Yeah, right. That sounds like a great little resource. Oh yeah. Um, how does he? How does he get to Jesus from those psalm? That psalm. Yeah, I think um, in different ways in different chapters. Um, so, re- reflecting on um, 
the, uh, the the divinity of Christ. I think that Jesus mm. is is God, and uh, He is the one um, over the, the the tricky, the difficult things. Mm. Um, he and He talks about the um, Jesus, our High Priest, um, mm. who's able to um, yeah, is someone who who knows us. Mm. Um, and uh, towards the end of the chat, the book, he, he has a couple of chapters of um, some of the um, Jesus teaching about um, do not worry and in Philippians, well, let's not be anxious, but um, mm. yeah, regularly moving to Jesus um, oh, wow. That's throughout great. the book. So um, I think, yeah, it's the sort of thing I would definitely recommend for anyone mm. struggling with anxiety. Mm. Um, he invites you to kind of reflect on the Bible, which in our podcast, we're, yeah, we're always doing that and you know, drawing mm. good stuff from the Bible. And he gives us a few things to do, like is, is a suggestion here of writing out a, a prayer for anxiety mm. that you might keep in your phone or your wallet or something like that. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Maybe based on Psalm 131, maybe based on, on something else, which mm. I did give that a go. And <laughs> that was a good exercise. So Yeah, right. Oh, good um, on you. Good yeah. application. That's yeah, good. totally. Mm. So, um, yeah, anxiety and me, brief biblical thoughts to help anxious believers. Um, it's very readable and I think very helpful, so I recommend it. Oh, wonderful. Well, we're nearly out of time, but thanks for chatting about that book with me and um, we hope people enjoy um, cracking open some of the resources we've got, uh, having a read of Joshua perhaps or maybe you want to go to an art gallery or watch <laughs> a, a rug cleaning video. <laughs> but, um, yes, looking forward to um, chatting to you next week. If you've enjoyed the podcast, um, why not? have uh why not share it with someone someone you love who knows jesus or doesn't know jesus we'd love that wouldn't we richard yeah yeah we'd love to mm. know um our conversations we enjoy but um mm. it's encouraging for us to hear about more and more people um yeah listening in and being encouraged yeah. themselves so um, yeah until uh next week joe have a great week and uh <laughs> look forward to chatting to you next time sounds good see ya bye <laughs>